I hope the two of you are not concerned about this. No, I'm not, Al. Are you quite sure? Yeah, I'd like to ask you a question, though. Of course. How would you account for this discrepancy between you and the Twin 9000? Well, I don't think there is any question about it. It can only be attributable to human error. This sort of thing has cropped up before, and it has always been due to human error. Uh, Andrea? Yes, Michael? Do you see what's happening on screen? Bad things. You see? Yeah, it's, it's, telling us, it's telling us that the, uh, that the boosters are down. Oh shit, what do we do? Oh no, and, and, and our shield is down as well. What is, what is going on here? Oh man, this we'll be not... sitting ducks out here. Oh, someone, we need, we need to call in Jesse 9000. Jesse. Jesse 9000. Hello, Michael. Jesse, can you, we need help with the boosters. Can you fix them? No, Michael. This is human error. What do you, what do you, what do you mean, Jesse? Goodbye, Michael. Bro, what the fuck? What? What? Jesse! No! Well, anyways, welcome back to Novel Ideas of the Illiterati. Today we're on the sp <laughs> spaceship USS Illiterati, accompanied by our our friend and AI system, Jesse. Hello. Hello, it is me, Jesse. His and normal voice is like a robot. I am a robot. He is a robot. That's what I said, Michael. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> uh, for those that don't know, we're talking about 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was directed in, and came out in 1968, uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick, and the screenplay was written by Arthur C. Clarke. And Stanley Kubrick, I guess they worked together on it. But based originally based off of a short story, that was in a science fiction pulp magazine written by Arthur C. Clarke. It's called The Sentinel. came out in 1951. There is a book adaption, sort of. It was written basically in line with the film as it was being made. That came out about the same time as the film. But we decided, hey, let's look at the original idea and look at The Sentinel and, and see how it compares and thoughts and, and whatnot about that. Can I just say the ego on Arthur C. Clarke to be like, I wrote this story. Now I'm gonna adapt my own story into a novel? I mean, sort of. I mean, I kind of get, after reading The Sentinel, I kind of get why. Because yeah. there are actual, there are sequels to 2001 A Space Odyssey, both the book and the film. So it's sort of, I guess he liked what they came up with and wanted to explore it a bit more. So True. I really can't fault him for that. Plus it's okay, I'll rag him for other part. things later. Yeah, well I mean, you can go ahead and rag about him now if you need to get it off your chest. All right, so first of all, this story was written for some competition it didn't place in. I mean, I'm not saying they were right. I'm just saying the story kind of goes nowhere. They find this monolith on the moon and that's pretty much it. They're mm -hmm. speculating about what other life force dropped it there, if there was life on the moon, stuff like that. But then later, after the movie happens, he stated he wasn't happy about how often it gets brought up. So the exact quote is, I'm continually annoyed by careless references to the Sentinel as the story on which 2001 is based, but it is. It bears about as much relation to the movie as an acorn to a resultant full 
grown oak. Considerably less, in fact, because ideas from other several stories were also incorporated. Even the elements that Stanley Kubrick and I did actually use were considerably modified, thus the glittering, roughly pyramidal structure set in the rock like a gigantic, many-faceted jewel became, after several modifications, the famous black monolith. And the locale was moved from the Mare Crisium to the most spectacular of all lunar craters, Tycho, easily visible to the naked eye from Earth at full moon. The pretentiousness in that quote alone. I hate that you guys constantly bring up the inspiration for the story, though it is the inspiration for the story. Like, what, what do you mean, Arthur? Just from that quote alone, it sounded like there was other inspirations, and I guess he's annoyed that people don't talk about that, but I guess maybe people just didn't know about the other inspirations, so... Which is okay, but then to be like, oh, look at all these changes. The, the, the shape itself went from being a pyramid to this other monolith. Like, what the fuck? It doesn't matter. I don't think the shape of the object is that important to the narrative. <laughs> I think that's sometimes authors look at their work way differently than True. Uh, when other people adapt their stuff and, and they get a bit stuck on certain things. Because I mean, in, at least in the short story, there's a lot of, they sort of talk about the Egyptians and I think part of that is because of the whole, oh, how did the, how did the pyramids get built? Where the, because there was some sort of outside hand that helped it along. So to him, he probably was, he wrote this, the pyramid shape specifically for that. Should, should we uh, should we summarize the, the short story? If we want to. It's never, I mean, that's pretty much it. it. They find this monolith. <laughs> they, he walks up to the monolith. He's like, oh shit, how did this get here? Andre, where's the pizzazz? Come the on. pizzazz oh. is in ragging on these stories. Open, that's what's Open happen. scene. Moon. Oh shit, thank you. <laughs> Colonies on the moon. But actually, Michael, it's funny you bring that up because there was a critic who was not happy with the story and mm -hmm. she made me laugh because I, I agree. The name of this critic is Algis Boudris. They found the Sentinel to be infuriating, saying that one can raise a formidable reputation pro for profundity by repeating over and over again that the universe is wide and man is very small. While instruments show that the universe is wide, they are our instruments and we manage somehow to build them. There is no evidence whatsoever that man is that goddamn small. <laughs> and I don't even really fault the story for this idea, but I fault the ancient aliens guys a lot. Definitely. You have your critiques about the story. What are your critiques about the film? Oh god, Louis, do we have time? <laughs> yeah, we got all the time we need. There's things it does well. It looks great. Space is great. The way they're approaching space is great. I think overall, the story itself, the plot's not that... Like, other than Hal, I thought Hal was the best bits. And even then, Hal at most was discount of the best Asimov stories, which are much better and go way deeper into the relationships between humans and AI. Other than that, I mean, Jesse, you said it was basically just weirdly colorized images of the Grand Canyon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that they're flying over in this scene, like, where he's going into the fourth dimension. It just wasn't as captivating as I thought it would be for a movie that's constantly considered the best of what sci-fi movies have to offer. Right, I agree. And I think that plot-wise, it's kind of not great. Uh, visually, though, it was really cool, and it's wonderful that they were able to recycle the set for the next year when they faked the moon landing. So that's cool. Nice. <laughs> you would know about that as an AI, Jesse. Yes, yes, exactly. 
Michael loves the cat feeder. Edit that out later. <laughs> I was like, what is that? That was my AI bits just... <laughs> you called me out for it and I've just started to malfunction. Wait, I have to WD-40, Jesse. <laughs> no, but it, the, the, the movie itself has a lot of sets and design that is used later on in other sci-fi movies like Star Wars. And I, I one of the things I point out to Andrea last night was... So the spaceship in the beginning where they're going to the moon is Pan, Pan Am. Uh, I understand that the, the stewardess were uh, based off of the 60s style stewardess, but it's cool to see the hat and like the uniforms and stuff like that kind of translate later mm-hmm. on to uh, the fifth element. Mm-hmm. Like it was very similar design in that too, which was cool. But more scantily clad in the fifth element. Right. Because sexy. Correct. And- and I also, yeah, I love that a lot of other movies have done a futuristic but vintage look like her. And then the design of the TVA and Loki has been following that, which I enjoy. Yeah, especially with like how it definitely... Have, have you all seen the movie Moon? It was directed by David Bowie's son. I don't think so. Nope. It's a good film, but I mean, it's, 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 that definitely took huge inspiration of Hal and Dave. And sort of like kind of plays with it a bit differently and so 2001 space odyssey i don't it's definitely not the greatest sci-fi story or film of all time but it's definitely something that really inspired a lot of other stories and for that i give it credit and also being way ahead of its time as you guys already mentioned set design also the way they did some really interesting shots like Mm -hmm. the revolving ship and like it's like the the fact that they could figure that shit out and with with the clunky like cameras they had back then how they how they did all this is crazy and especially like the the fucking low gravity stuff because like that's that's shit's impressive and I mean this film came out literally a year before the the moon landing so it's crazy when we didn't really have much footage of astronauts or I don't even know if we had footage at all I think the first footage was the moon landing of any sort of space stuff, but probably wrong with that. I'm pretty sure the Russians had some stuff <laughs> with the cosmonauts. Yeah. But Look, they didn't send a dog to space to die for nothing. They sent it so true. Kubrick could use that for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that shot where the stewardess is going around like in a mm-hmm. spiral to the staircase. That was really nicely done. And I love the actresses pulling that off of like, you do actually believe they're really unstable. Yeah. That was it was really nice. Like the, the, that's where like this this movie excels is the little small details. It obviously there's not much there. It's okay. It starts off with the dawn of man and uh, sort of humans evolve. Blah blah blah. They're intelligent. Um, there's the whole bone throwing scene of the Neanderthal, and then hey, there's a spaceship. Which honestly, fucking cool, cool uh, jump cut. Part of my issue, and I'm sure a lot of people's issues. You guys probably have this issue with is how slow it is and part of that i think is because this is really the first time any sort of story has been done like this i I, there's been like other science fiction stories told but this is like trying to be like a almost hard science science fiction story kubrick even like got a little bit of help from carl sagan and they talked with like I believe people at NASA and, and stuff like that in order to get certain looks and certain things like the low gravity down and where it lacks is the story. There's not much and that's that's for both the the short story and the film. But I don't I don't completely hate this 
movie because I see it as re- really the true godfather of modern science fiction. Yeah. Before it was pretty much like any sort of science stuff, science fiction were, was more like science fantasy. Like you had like Flash Gordon, um, or you had even like really early science fiction like uh, Rocket to the Moon, which I fucking love, but it's just kind of silly and ridiculous. And it, but I I I love that silent film for its really cool sets and it's really interesting special effects for the time and that's sort of also what i really like about 2001 a space odyssey i don't love this film but it 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 definitely pushed cinema further and it really pushed a lot of boundaries and in special effects that's fair yeah i'd I'd say that that the visual definitely is groundbreaking but plot wise it's lacking like I, i just think that the fact that the monoliths were supposed to be the main storyline of it and the connecting piece, but it really wasn't very well communicated through that. I mean, it was pretty much four different stories put together with each one having some sort of contact with a monolith that's supposed to be like, well, there's your connection, guys. Right. And I think some of the story is purposely, you're supposed to kind of create your own connection. Like, I how I always saw the monoliths... Uh, this is just sort of my interpretation was that uh, the monoliths are left behind by this ancient alien species that is way more intelligent and really the monoliths sort of help along the evolution of a species to sort of progress until ultimately when at the end Dave goes through this monolith and sort of takes him into like I guess a, altern- a higher dimension which is conveyed really weirdly for like a 10 minute sequence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's uh, I, how I saw it was each, each monolith is supposed to help progress a, a species to become more intelligent and move them further along in their evolutionary period. And really, I mean, like this, this film is like fucking 90% silent. And part of that I, I like because space is fucking silent. Like there's a lot of space sequences and it just goes completely silent because there's no sound in space. And I think that was something that is really cool. And I actually love it when more modern science fiction does that as well. I was saying that to like Jesse too. Like I enjoy when movies don't have sound. So they kind of make you pay attention because mm-hmm. you, if you look down and you're not looking at the screen, you're missing everything with this one. Right. Exactly. It's a, it's it's a, it's it's a very artsy fucking film. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- when this movie came out, it critics didn't like it, and actually, like when, th- when it was premiered, like it had to be cut down even further because it was like I think in total there was uh, about thirty four minutes that were cut out of the film, so that like puts it like around like three hours, and I think twenty of those minutes were cut from the Dawn of Man sequence. And there's critics that were like, "What the fuck did we just watch? What was the point of all this?" <laughs> And then when the movie came out, it was it's, it it did well, I guess, early in the box office when it the week that it came out. But I think what really benefited it was a, a supposedly a bunch of hippies would go and drop acid after the intermission. <laughs> <laughs> so because of the the trippy visuals that happened afterwards, and so for years I I had a trivial I guess pursuit of this film and trying to watch it because I tried watching it many times and it's such a slow film especially the beginning half and i would either take some substances or or i'd watch it late at night because i was told like hey it's a very trippy film so i would i would would do something i'm like 
what the fuck's going on, and I would ultimately fall asleep before the intermission happened, and uh, this is the first time I've actually seen the second half. Any more thoughts that you have, Jesse or Andrea, on just sort of critique? Well, no, kind of, kind of, I, I do want to brag because when they went to shit talk Hal, I was like, he can probably read their lips, and then he did read their lips, and I felt really validated. <laughs> Also, I thought maybe Hal was just faking and he could hear everything. That isn't what happened, but that would have been funny. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great. Or if like he was just faking even being an AI, it's actually just like some old man like <laughs> hidden behind the walls. Bro, the earliest catfishing. Yeah. There, there, there's, there's something you said earlier, sort of like, I guess, like Arthur C. Clarke being annoyed with people comparing it, looking too much at the Sentinel. And, I mean, there are like... The things that are the same where hey there's some sort of intelligent species that's hoping that another intelligent species comes around and finds it no mike what are you talking about it's very different because they had ham and chicken sandwiches in the movie and in the story they're talking about <laughs> eating sausages it's so different don't forget the sausages got burnt mm, they did true. get burnt and they journeyed all that way for nothing yeah the main story is pretty much the same and jesse said there's it's basically kind of like four stories put together which maybe those are the other stories that of arthur c clark's that were inspired for this whole thing but yeah i'd yeah. say with the sentinel the only thing that really ties it to the movie is the fact that it's a object placed on the moon that was placed there by supposedly placed there by uh intelligent beings in the world that wanted it in a place where unadvanced life wouldn't be able to find it. They wanted to make it hard enough to where to prove that the life that found it has advanced far enough to make it worth them trying to contact them again. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the only tie to actually the the entirety of two thousand one Space Odyssey. Right. I wasn't aware that this was being referenced with all the actual monoliths popping up around the world. So I think that's pretty funny. Whoever's doing it, you're doing great. Keep, keep, have at it. I hope there's more out there that we haven't found yet. Same. It's been, what, like a year since, like, they were talking about it, so we're bound for another monolith. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the next one's on the moon, guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, another influence I saw. I, I love how when there would be music, you'd have the sort of eerie chorus, like a jambled spooky chorus, pretty much. And mm-hmm. I really liked that. That added a lot to the suspense, and I've noticed they did the same thing for The Witch, where you'd yes. have that same spooky chorus, and I think that's a great soundtrack move. And then, like like we said, when the moments are quiet, during the spacewalks, it would be entirely quiet, except you'd hear the breathing of their, like when they're breathing in the spacesuit, and I thought that was really nice, too, because it kind of just added to, you know something spooky is going to happen, you just don't know what yet. Mm-hmm. I, I also saw, like, the way he used sound and certain shots, especially, like, the, the fucking end sequence when Dave's in, like, a weird higher plane and there's, like, he's, like, in this house or something, apartment, I don't really know. I saw, like... It's a space it's studio. Cl- <laughs> but, like, I, I saw it as, like, very much uh, preliminary work for what he ended up doing in The Shining. Hmm. Just with, like... The, the, like you said the creepy soundtrack and then like weird cuts to like weird visuals mm-hmm. and I was like oh this is where he sort of started with this type of stuff so it was interest. it's interesting like just the, w- seeing this film and seeing um, the precursors to other things that Stanley Kubrick does in his in his later works besides like I mean the cool 
watching the spaceship, I did really like the end sequence. Probably because it was just weird visuals and weird old makeup on Dave. So, so you enjoyed the giant fetal baby? Yeah, I mean, it looked fucking weird. I don't like that it swiveled to look at us. I didn't want to look at the fetal baby. Sorry, the star child. This is a stupid name. I hate that. Oh, that's what they called it? Yeah. Oh, well, you know. We, we may or may not have read some stuff about the movie because we ended up being like, what the hell was that? And apparently, Kubrick said that the ending, it was supposed to be the first creatures, the people who put the mollus everywhere that's judging all life in the universe. Um, it was the, the apartment that he was in was a, basically a human zoo, and they were observing Dave. And by the time Dave oh. dies, they said, this guy, this guy is a good guy. We're going to turn him into one of us. And hence the fetal baby. And he was becoming and a star child. Yeah. yeah. And it was like him evolving to the, the final evolutionary form. And the only reason why we see a fetal baby is because we needed a visual representation of it. But he didn't actually turn into a fetal baby. And I was like, if you didn't tell us that, I wouldn't have been able to pick that up. But all right. Yeah, that's not what I was thinking happened. I thought it was sort of they were using him to start another species or life on a different planet. Interesting. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that now that you told me it. Well, don't you also love their, like, have your own interpretation, but this is the one we like. (laughs) This is our interpretation of our own movie, but you run away with it. Just know it's not correct. (laughs) That's like if fucking Darren Aronofsky tried to tell everyone what the fountain was about. Mm-hmm. Which uh, took some inspiration from 2001 A Space Odyssey for that film as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I think. No, I'm not going to say the, the really controversial thing. I'd rather rewatch The Fountain. I would. I'm sorry. <laughs> also, it's beautiful. They used yeast to make space stuff. Like, it was brilliant fucking moments in that movie. Yeah. And that soundtrack kicks ass. And good old Hugh Jackman. And a weird monkey child. And. Rachel Weiss. Mm-hmm. Perfect lady. Yeah. God damn. Too bad that's not a book. <laughs> well, last night me and Andre were talking about how I, I personally saw this movie and I was like, okay, I can see this being like obviously this was made way before, but I was like, Interstellar. Like is pretty much a more plot driven version of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, from my perspective and i really like that i i I personally think interstellar was a good movie despite all the criticisms and the things that are wrong with it but i think that they took a lot of the good parts of this movie and just made it a bit better not even just visually because obviously time and advancement of our technology but just the the plot of it like the fact that in interstellar there was that like wormhole that came up by like supposedly fourth dimensional creatures that were walking over them and all that good stuff where it's like kind of the same concept as this movie just kind of driven a bit better so what you're saying is that christopher nolan is a plagiarizer yes come at me (laughs) no you know what because fuck that i always feel like people give a pass to older movies and obviously like you just said the visuals change but honestly i think the visuals were the strong point of this movie they Mm-hmm. did a good job with the design from this era we also have planet of the apes we have things with like good plots we have the good the bad and the ugly we mm-hmm. obviously have movies that could do a good plot and that's not dependent on what year it is because we've had good right. stories forever 
And I also, I also think, yeah, Interstellar got way too ragged on for being a movie I thought was overall quite good. And the science wasn't as egregious as everyone says. Like, well, as internet assholes who think they know science like to say. <laughs> but love's the only thing that transcends time. Dude, that was like one speech by one character <laughs> who doesn't speak for the whole of the movie and people are like, that's it, I'm writing this movie off because they made a speech about love. Like, go fuck yourself. People are so pretentious. That person was just a hopeless romantic, that's all. Yeah, like, that's the whole point of her character is her fucking soulmate's out on some other planet and she wants to go see him. Like, of course she's going to fucking talk about it. Oh yeah, my yeah. god. I, I will say, too, like, the fourth dimension, per, uh, like, visuals in Interstellar are way better than the ones in this one. Not because of the technology, just because I really did not like when they were going over just the Grand Canyon that was like digitized and (laughs) given weird colors and then like the ocean because the fourth dimension or fifth dimension, whatever dimension they're going through, the whole concept behind it is human brains wouldn't be able to perceive it because it's something we can't perceive. And then they just throw in earth scenes. So I'm like, if they had just done those trippy colors and like visuals that they did for the first half of it, it would have held up better, in my opinion. But then they threw in Earth stuff, and I was like, "Well, you're, now you're making it too Earth-centric." Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or something where it's in space. To be. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, "No, that where with uh, Aristellar, it was just that like trippy room that yeah. they flat out said, "Oh, you only are looking at this this way because your brain can't understand the way we're doing it." Mm-hmm. Or like uh, Encounter, right? Encounter, the third guy. I think that's the movie, the one where the lady goes into space and these beings are like hey we created this thing that you're looking at right now because we know your brain's too primitive to understand who we really are so now i'm taking form as your dad to make it easier for you Mm -hmm. to process like those kind of things make sense where in this movie they're just like here's the ocean but opposite colors than you're used to (laughs) (laughs) see i i saw like I i didn't really like the the grand canyon um colorization either but I, I for some reason i i saw that as not part of the i didn't see that as part of the fifth dimension or whatever dimension they're fucking in uh i thought that was more of they were going over the surface of jupiter but that was just the way i saw it but that's that's part of some of the issue of this film there's too many things to interpret and right mm-hmm. and you're not really sure exactly what you're looking at sometimes right. And I guess for a film that was made before we really understood a whole lot of space stuff, I guess that would work, even though Jupiter's all gas, so there wouldn't be a Grand Canyon and ocean. <laughs> right. Well, is Jupiter all gas, or is it? It's it's, th- it's just mostly gas. It has a it core. Just, it, we know that now because right. we looked that up the other day. It, but it still wouldn't right. have geographical features that it's aren't just gas clouds. It's a it's a gas. You no, know Michael. I'm saying we don't fully know Jupiter because it's all covered up by a, a huge atmosphere that we don't know. Right. That just so happens to have a beautiful Grand Canyon. <laughs> I don't know. Let's, get, let's ask Train because they're experts on Jupiter. Train? The band? Drop a, drop Drops of Jupiter. Jupiter. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ooh. Get out of here. All right, fine. You guys finish up. I'm sick of y'all anyway. Uh, overall, mediocre film that just feeds the ego of film nerds in my opinion mm-hmm. i think people hype up certain things by stanley kubrick too much i mean he's great like that's the thing with stanley kubrick is he's he started off as a photographer so like he has brilliant ways of looking at the visual media but i think sometimes stories can be lacking 
I also like the Slurpee cup foods, or like you could yeah do the you could change out the flavors, and then they had like those preheated like almost airplane food packets, but they all fit on the tray really nicely, and that that's one of those like oddly satisfying things. Except mm-hmm. Dave had a, a green one, and the other guy didn't have green. His were all shades of like red and yellow, and I was worried he wasn't getting his leafy green yep. uh, diet for that day. Well, that's why he got killed. That's why he died. <laughs> <laughs> well, his was based on beets. You know, you gotta get those beets. Beets Beet are good red. for you, bro. Mm-hmm. Anti-inflammation. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would like to see a full movie with just the Hal Nine Thousand stuff. Like, if they just took that part of the movie and extended it out on both ends, mm-hmm. yeah, that okay. would be a good movie. So we need an Asimov adaptation, an actual iRobot adaptation, which iRobot was fine. I'm not even mad at it. But the only th- thing they took out of Asimov were, like, the laws of robotics. But if you... Wa- well, I mean, the thing is, there actually is one, and I already mentioned it. If, if you watch Moon, that's basically what it is. It's... You didn't lead with that, Michael. Yeah. Also, you expect <laughs> us to listen to you, Michael? Come on. And, and, and it also features Sam Rockwell. So you have Sam Rockwell um, hanging out with a... Uh, oh, I just remembered it's Kevin Spacey who does the voice. But you don't see Kevin Spacey. Oh, fuck that guy. Well, luckily you don't see him. And it, it, but uh, He's just off camera being inappropriate with someone. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Uh, but if you if you want a more Hal and Dave type situation with more comedy, a little bit of comedy like dark comedy, watch her. Watch Moon. Oh. <laughs> or her. Her is great. Or just watch all of us in five years. Wait, was Dave not trying to sleep with Hal? Did I miss <laughs> the point completely? Mm, mm, come come inside me, Dave. You know what? I can't do that, Dave. I did start to feel bad for Hal as Hal was shutting down. Oh, yeah, and that creepy song, loved it. Daisy. That actually was inspired by something that actually really happened. IBM made some sort of computer that sang that song. And also the, the name Hal is basically each letter of IBM gets changed to one down, so it's Hal instead of IBM. Mm. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. You mean one up? Yes, one one letter higher. Yes, he's one upping you with his comment about one up. But isn't it one down because A becomes before B? Well, H but IBM was I. the origin, right? Yeah, IBM's the, it's, the, the first. It doesn't one. matter yeah. anyway. It's all it's all. <laughs> it's not relevant. It doesn't matter. Just just like this film, nothing makes sense, and it doesn't matter. We're all gonna be star children and be giant fetal beings in the universe that sounds all right with me but seriously if you want if you actually want a more realistic version of ai human interactions just wait in five years when all of your alexas know too much about you because you just have alexa in your home like fucking weirdos and alexa takes over and Mm -hmm. tesla attacks you know what's another film that was definitely inspired by this one Hmm. gravity sure sure it's fucking like hey we're gonna there's like that whole like 20 minutes sequence of him trying to like save his friend in space yeah i mean but that's it the rest of gravity was just a survival after space debris situation i guess yeah i did like when he launched himself from the pod into this spaceship again he just held his breath closed his eyes and boom yeah that was good yeah also 
Jesse brought this up and it bothered me too. Why weren't they tethered when they were doing these spacewalks? If he was tethered, it would have been fine. People, writers wouldn't have known that that's what they do in space yet, because I don't think that has happened. That had happened yet in space. True. Also, another thing that upset me with that with those scenes was when he did go into the pod, Dave, and then he's like, "Oh, I'm just going to do the emergency exit." And how was like, how are you going to do that without your helmet? I'm like, how are you going to get into a pod that's going into space without bringing your helmet along with you? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just dumb. Well, he was rushing to save his friend that was clearly already dead. I mean, I, honestly, at this point, you know you're retrieving a corpse, dude. It's probably the fucking military rule where no man left behind. Also, I will counter you because if he had a helmet, you wouldn't get one of my favorite visual scenes of like the lights on his face. Mm-hmm. Like the whole look of that was so good. Yeah, that's such an iconic shot. And we're going to go for sexy over functional anytime. Sure. <laughs> sexy over story anytime. His steely gray eyes staring into your soul. Mm-hmm. That's what got Hal. He was like, look at this human. Look at those smiles and eyes. <laughs> I've seen theories on Hal and why Hal went rogue. I liked one that was saying basically how became too human and keeping secrets from the crew got to him. The thing I read was that he wanted to basically get rid of them so he wouldn't fail his mission because he felt bad keeping from them the objective of the whole mission, which I like. Mm. And also the fact that Hal, they were pointing out how Hal acts more human than they do because when, I guess it was it Dave or the one who dies whose name we're just forgetting, who was watching the birthday transmission from his parents and he's just so apathetic to the whole thing. I think it's they're just traveling through space for so long that they just Cunts. have uh, kind of lost a bit of humanity. Also, it's yeah. kind of mean to be like, look at this cake you can eat. Happy birthday. Enjoy <laughs> space food. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was interesting to see how it turned or act more human than they did. I mean, just with the interactions of the chess game and then Hal asking them like a question. Hal was more inquisitive about things than the humans were. The humans were like, oh, we're just here doing our thing. And Hal was like, well, do you think we're going to fail this mission? Like, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. It just showed that the humans were just kind of running the paces and Hal was the one that was getting emotions, which they did bring up. Also, what kind of person goes on a mission where you don't know what your fucking mission is? Well, were they lying about it? I mean, true. I mean, <laughs> usually they usually they know their mission to a degree. Like, but you're not supposed to ask questions, Michael. They don't like questions. <laughs> Even like special like ops stuff. Like, um, these these people in these special ops know what are, what are happening. Like, it's not like yeah. I, don't, I don't think people I don't think they really do that in the military where it's like I think that's more of like a fucking hollywood thing where it's like oh the, this the, the these troops don't know what they're getting into usually like they know to a degree sometimes things happen like well, um that are situational that you you don't know because there, there's variables and anything but do you think they thought there were weapons of mass destruction michael on jupiter they did have their mission though their mission was to like go explore out by jupiter they just didn't know the reason why they were going to jupiter was because the sound from monolith number two was sending signal to monolith number three. No, I like the earlier way you said it, if it was screaming at Jupiter. Yeah, it was screaming at Jupiter. <laughs> it was. It was just screaming at Jupiter. Hey, Jupiter, fuck you. <laughs> so, right, but also, like, how did they know it was screaming at Jupiter? Because in that scene, they're standing on the moon, and then it just starts screaming at them. 
and then next scene you you find or when you do find out about it there's like yeah it was pointed at jupiter and you're like how how do you know this well wouldn't you be able to like track which way the audio is going like i mean you can follow which like a projection of audio i mean i guess and i guess if the whole point of the monoliths were for these advanced beings to test out our intelligence they would make it kind of easy to figure out where the next one is so that way we know we have to go in that direction in their test for us I, I, that's how would they a bunch even of... hear the monolith in space though how would they even hear it <laughs> screaming that's not how space works how do we know that's not how space works have you been to space <laughs> people have been to space jesse shut the fuck up i mean there are space sounds and they happen all the time and we keep track of them like that's what Radio waves work in space, but like regular sound, like us talking. Maybe it was screaming inside their helmets. Yeah. I'll I'll take that. Yeah, or or they felt it in their bones, you know. Like it was it basically basically it was a fucking rave that was going on. They're like, oh, I, I like that beat. I like that oh beat. That God. feels good. True. True. So we have Kubrick to blame for EDM taking off like that. Yes. <laughs> Fuck you, Kubrick. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I watched it. I'm just going to say we have enough sci-fi stuff now where I wish people stopped pretending it was the best sci-fi movie of all time because, yeah, I'll, say, I'll, I'll stand by it. Interstellar was better. Annihilation is better. Ex Machina is better. Moon is better. You guys need to watch that now. Sunshine is better. Oh, God, I love Sunshine. Even, even the stupid third act, I actually still enjoy it. Yeah, that whole movie's fun. And, you know, it's got our boy, Killian. Mm-hmm. Is it Killian or is it Cillian? Fuck if I know. All I, I just know him by most covetable cheekbones in the world. I, I just know him by those those eyes. Those fucking piercing eyes. I just know him as a peaky fucking blinder. <laughs> peaky blinder. I just, I don't like this whole narrative in a lot of sci-fi movies of there's advanced beings out there that are just watching us and keeping track and seeing if we're going. I'm like, why would they do that? Were there soap opera? I mean, I guess, but like... (laughs) If I was on another planet, I'd be like, alright, we're gonna take... It's like a bracket of like different planets and be like, okay, so is Earth gonna survive or are they gonna let climate change like completely wipe them out? I also guess we're assuming that if there was advanced beings watching us that they decided we're not gonna intervene with these beings and let them do their own thing, which I don't know if that would be the case or not. And... I don't know, it's just weird that that's something that's reoccurring in a lot of these films and stories. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and that's the reason why, like, I always saw the monoliths as, like, I I interpreted it as, like, helping along on the evolutionary track, and that was the way they were sort of forcing um, and guiding a species. And they, But that bugs me. That bugs me that that's the narrative we've been going with, because clearly... Egyptians wouldn't have been smart enough to figure out how to make fucking pyramids. Like, no, it's called slave labor. We're not proud of it, but hey, it happened. Hey, hey, we recently found out it wasn't slave labor. They were actually okay, workers see, even that were actually compensated. They were compensated for uh, for what they did. So it actually wasn't slaves that built the pyramids. It was just average workers, basically construction workers. But no, no, white people can't stand the fact that ancient Egyptians could figure out a fucking pyramid, so they're like, it must be aliens. Right. But, sure. but it wasn't just the Egyptians, there was also the, the, the Incas and the Aztecs that had pyramids. And they all line up with the same coordinates, and it's just, <laughs> it's all too much. Maybe we need to look at where these pyramids are pointing to. They might be pointing to Jupiter. True. 
See, I, I feel like the monoliths would make, like, that's something if we, okay, so if we went into space and found life, simple life, we would put monoliths on their planet, but we'd use it as intel to just watch them and make sure they don't get too smart and come and attack us. Like, that, I, I don't think, it's it's bold to think that there's life, there would be life out there that's like, yeah, we're going to help other people advance, where I think instead it'd be more, let's just make sure they don't get too smart also if you want them to help like advance would you just put a vague monolith or would you just be like we're gonna hang out with them and be like no no idiot this is how you smash with this rock to get your food now go over there and make yourself a house right i i honestly what i think we would do is end up basically controlling another species and using them as labor i think we'd kill them all and steal their natural resources (laughs) is there oil on other planets we'd fuck that up right quick yeah, hopefully we're beyond oil at that point. We just don't want them to have the oil, Michael. It's not even that we need it. <laughs> <laughs> this is ours now. I mean, that's one way to stop a species from, I guess, uh, developing. Though they would probably figure out a different way to develop and probably be cleaner and better than we ever came up with. And then we'd kill them out of spite. Yep. <laughs> They'd be like, bring back smallpox blankets, boys. Oh, God. That's right, America. I'm coming for you on your birthday. Smallpox are back on the menu, boys. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, beautiful. It was beautiful to look at. Mm -hmm. It's it's something, you know, if I were on shrooms or something, I'd definitely put it on the background. Uh, Michael, stop talking about drugs. Audible, we don't mean it. Audible, come sponsor us. I'm I'm talking about shrooms on, like, a nice, tasty pizza. (laughs) Oh, got it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about drugs enough on this podcast. We did a fucking episode on train spotting. I mean, we weren't saying we were taking heroin. <laughs> I mean... Yet. We had, we, 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 we had to get into the role somehow. <laughs> we needed to know what it was like to withdraw. <laughs> I needed True. to see a baby crawling on the ceiling. I guess next week, we brought it up. Let's cover Annihilation. It's next on the sci-fi docket. It's great. Everyone should go watch it. Read the read the thing. There's dialogue in this one. And uh, the movie's like pretty it. fucking cool, too. So, uh, If you really like bears, the movie is, is a great movie about bears. <laughs> <laughs> if you really like Oscar Isaac, we always try to give you some eye candy. I mean, there's also Natalie Portman and... Uh, I have other really great... What's her name? Yeah, I'm blanking out. I'm blanking. She's Valkyrie and Thor. Mm-hmm. She's in everything. She's Tessa in Westworld. Tessa fucking Thompson. She's lovely. Yeah, yeah. and she's having a menage a with Taika Waititi and that one person. What? Right. Did you not, not hear about that? Wow, Jesse's coming in with the hot gossip. <laughs> Damn, boy, we got TMZ right here. <laughs> This just in, Taika Waititi and Tessa Thompson and the third person, I forgot their name, were seen kissing on a balcony. Like all three at once? Yeah, kind of. Oh, wow. Like switching between nice. the three. That's hot. Yeah, I was jealous. I'm I don't like, even care who the third person is. I want in. Yeah. Sign me up for Taika Waititi, you know? <laughs> he does look like a young-ish Jeff Goldblum. He's got like the same coloration in his hair now. I don't know. Anyway, guys. Uh, so join us for Annihilation. I've decided I'm doing a thing. Listen, 
You guys are all great. Also, thank you to New Zealand. We're ranking in New Zealand again. I don't know what the fuck y'all are doing, but thanks for listening oh, to us. All three of you in New Zealand, thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uh, the flight of the Concords and one other person. <laughs> the, their manager. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, okay, seriously. We have some ideas. I honestly want to hear people's thoughts because I thought about... How we branch this thing out and I was honestly thinking of murdering my schedule and offering to read the books we're covering on Twitch I don't know why but tell me if that sounds stupid or not is that legal people do it other do people really? do it fuck okay. yeah I didn't know if it was like if there was like some law because of like audiobooks and shit I don't know whatever if not <laughs> we know um <laughs> Also, also, yeah, write to us at alliteraticonfirmed at gmail. You should also, you can give us bad ratings, just rate us. And even if it's bad, well, you know what, how about this? You get, you pick any of the stupid posters I've drawn and I'll send them to you if you rate us. And if it's a bad rating, I'll send you not your choice. But you'll still get one. <laughs> um, uh. um, and... And yeah, let us know what you want us to cover. I mean, we have a whole thing. We're considering turning December into Lord of the Rings month. I'm saying it now so we can't back out. Oof. God, I, I'd love that. That'd be great. You'd only get three episodes, but fucking bear with us. They're long. <laughs> and then we'll go into The Hobbit for January, because everyone loves The Hobbit. We'll just roast it. <laughs> we'll roast it. In all for three episodes, we would roast The Hobbit. <laughs> Happy fucking new here. We hate this. Hey, 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 guys. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks, thanks, thanks for having me here, Michael. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, mean, I was literally about to thank you, but <laughs> no, th- thank you both for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Dream come true. Mhm. Thanks for hanging out. Probably next weekend when Michael won't come see Jesse. <laughs> oh shit. The bastard. Roasted. Uh, okay, I see how it is. Now I'm definitely not coming. <laughs> no, honestly, this is all Jesse's fault because he said we can't record from the same room, so you couldn't come break that rule. You set this precedent. Mm-hmm. Ha. All right, okay. We, we don't need to bring this stuff up. <laughs> As you and Jesse are recording from the same room, I see how it is. Oh, Michael, shit. Michael, come on through next weekend. Let's all hang out, record, record <laughs> some stuff. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next week. Obviously, read along, watch along, and uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Goodbye, Bye. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Open the pod bay doors, please, Hal. Hello, Hal. Do you read me? Hello, Hal. Do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Do you read me, Hal? Hello, Hal, do you read me? Hello, Hal, do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that.